0: You have your bibles you can turn to the book of John. We'll be reading out of John's gospel. I believe it's chapter 10 here in just a moment. And I have to do just a little bit of introduction before we start the month of March in a new teaching or instructional series. There are 5 Sundays in this particular month and I want to use these Sundays to explore what happened. What happened? I know for most of you, when we get to Easter season and we talk about the resurrection and the events that revolve around the passion, uh, for many of us, because we've hung around the things of God, we've been in church, we've heard heard the instruction, the teaching, read the stories concerning what Christ did for us, that most of us, I suspect, are pretty numb or familiar with all the particular events. Well... Here as of late, we've been teaching and hopefully enlightening you uh, since the beginning of the year about certain things that go on within the inner man. If you've not been here, I encourage you, you can go to iTunes and catch up or you can grab a CD. I think you have to purchase the CD, but uh, you can you can get that information and what we've been talking about with regards to the inner man or that spirit portion of your being. God is in you. Can you say Amen. I mean, right now, it's an incredible thought. God is in me. And He's in you. And everything you need is in Him. And if everything you need is in Him and He resides in you, do you understand right now? You are a walking explosion ready to happen. All resource. All healing. All deliverance. Everything I need... You know, for years, I I was fooled because somewhere along the way, I kind of got the impression that it was going to fall from outer space somewhere. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that it's in me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And once you get a revelation that he is in you, the key isn't so much begging God somehow to do his work, to do the miracle, to do the supernatural. It's figuring out what is it? That needs to happen to get that unlocked. In order that that can begin to ex- be expressed out of me. It's in you. He's there. And that's what we've been talking about. Now, the question I have, obviously, is, well, well, how do we bring this to fruition? How does all this begin to manifest? And you've heard me teach and touch upon the imagination. And, and it, to be honest with you, it is just literally, I know for some of you, it has caused you to enter into a whole new dimension of seeing what God can do in your imagination. How to righteously imagine what God can do. How the inner man begins to see. You know, just as your natural eyes see a picture, your inner man sees as well. And that's your imagination. And we touched briefly on how our faith And how our confession activates what's in you to begin to come out of you. And so all of this that God is and has is there. And it's incredible to think that he wants more than anything to get it out of us. But the reason we do not see what is available expressed in the earth and through our lives. It can be linked to several causes. However, the one that we're going to explore these next few weeks is the deficiency in understanding what jesus did for his people you, if you don't understand what it is exactly jesus did you'll never be able to unlock who he is inside of you and so today we're going to talk about what happened in his earthly walk we will go in these next few weeks and we'll talk about the cross We're going to talk about those three days and three nights that he spent in the grave. Has anybody ever taught you exactly what happened those three days and three nights Jesus was in the grave? Well, there were some significant things that took place that we need to explore. We're going to talk, obviously, on Easter Sunday about the resurrection. And then finally, we'll end March talking about the ascension. The ascension doesn't get preached much either. And all of these things you may be spinning in your mind saying, well, I know the events. I know kind of what took place. I know how it happened. But what you don't know is what it means for you and the keys that it presents to unlock what's in you to get it out of you. You cannot take your rightful place as a child of God unless you understand and then you get revelation to what happened. Now, can I, I'm just going to share this because it just struck me and it, you know, the Lord always nails me and then I figure as long as I'm getting nailed, why should I be the only one? I figure you ought to enjoy it too. But, but the Lord, I'm, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost in me said, Kevin, if what you've known and what you've spoke and, and what you've understood to this point has not gotten you to the promises that are available, Do you think that's my fault, says the Lord? No, sir. (laughs) I don't think anything's your fault. You need to get that. If what you've believed and what you've practiced and What you've confessed and what you've entered into, if it's not getting you to what God says is available for you, then I want to suggest to you that there may be some things missing or some things you don't understand or you haven't gotten or it hasn't been revealed to you and you need to get a hold of this. Because I'm telling you, we've got a church that's about a mile wide and an inch deep. And they come in and they get their, they get their sort of their, their cheerleading message and They're told they can do it, and then they go back out there, and they're no better off than they were when they came in. There's no distinguishable difference in who we are in the earth than the world is. We just slap the bumper sticker on that says, I'm not perfect, just forgiven. Well, praise God, you can live up to that. And unfortunately, that's about all most Christians are living up to. Because the message behind the bumper sticker is, Don't you hold me accountable to the fact that I get just as angry as you get. Don't you hold me accountable to the fact that my life is in as bad a shape as your life is. The only difference is I'm forgiven. Praise God. Well, enjoy it because life is going to be as much of a roller coaster for you as it is for your heathen neighbor. I believe that there's a victory. I I believe the Bible says that I can be victorious over My deficient character. I can be victorious over the sin that so easily besets me and destroys me. I can be victorious over sickness and disease. I can be victorious over bondage. I can be victorious, hallelujah, over my bills. We preach the full gospel. You can be victorious not just to be healed, to be delivered, but you can walk in character. You don't have to be a mere man or a mere woman. God has called us to be sons and daughters of God. Amen. But you've got to be teachable, you've got to listen, you've got to receive. I'm telling you, we've got folks that are know-it-alls. And if you know so much, then why does your life look like it does? Amen. We've got a lot of people with a lot of doctrine that just doesn't get them anywhere. So don't, don't, don't fight me in the spirit, man. Be teachable for just a few minutes every Sunday. Because the Bible says we perish for lack of knowledge. We perish because we refuse to be quickened or enlivened to understanding that we don't currently have. I've had people come up to me and say, well, that's not how I was taught in my... And and you put the denominational church in there. I'm sorry. They're wrong. Amen. Well, you know, I always thought it was this way. Well, you thought wrong. Amen. Because the way you're thinking ain't getting you there. So maybe there's something that needs to be changed or maybe added or... Or, or, and it's all under the word of God, obviously, obviously. So let's let's start this by talking about what happened, what happened in Jesus earthly walk. And I believe I'm going to blow some of your minds this morning. Amen. I often said <laughs> I never forget when I first interacted with the Holy Spirit and I stood up. This is in 1986. And I told the congregation, I've just been messed up by the Holy Ghost, but I think it's the best mess up I've ever been in. Let God mess you up for just a minute this morning, and it'll be the best mess up that you've ever had. What happened in Jesus' earthly walk? John chapter 10, verse 7. I want to read a couple of verses. I'll jump over to verse 19 here in just a moment. It says this, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10 is the familiar verse most of us know. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And if you have, if you have one of these spirit life Bibles, they have those word wealths in there and I've got a little arrow pointing to my little gray A square there. It says this abundantly. It means super abundant, excessive, overflowing, surplus over and above more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, above the ordinary, more than sufficient. Wow. Jesus said, I'd come that you might have that. Now you just need to meditate on that for a minute. Jesus said, I've come not so you could slap the bumper sticker on and say, praise God, I'm I'm forgiven. And forgiveness is wonderful. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You are forgiven if you've received the Lord. But hear me now. He didn't come just so we could walk in the doctrine of forgiveness. He came in order that we might walk in the doctrine of abundance. Jump over to verse 19. Therefore, he said a few more things. And then in verse 19, therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon. You know, it's amazing how you can preach truth and people think you got a demon. Now, I'm going to come back to that here in just a minute. He has a demon and he is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind. What happened in Jesus' earthly walk? Now, let me tell you what's going on here in these last couple of chapters. We see Jesus getting started in this earthly ministry of his. And we see previous in chapter 9 that Jesus comes along and he heals a blind man who had been blind since birth. So the disciples watch this particular miracle take place and they begin to have a discussion amongst themselves about the doctrine of healing. And in this doctrinal discussion that they're having here, they've determined that in order that this man, uh, you know, was blind, in order for that to have been a reality, then somebody had to have sinned. Who sinned here? Somebody had to sin. I'm telling you, bad things are going on. Some There's sin somewhere. So who sinned? Did his parents sin? Did he sin? And so they're having this great big discussion as to who sinned instead of God healing. But then there were the religious leaders and they were there as well and And their doctrine was being challenged. They're all irritated that the man got healed on the Sabbath. And they start looking at each other saying, Can't be God. God wouldn't heal on Sunday. And so they're all worked up over the fact that God moved on on the Sabbath and it couldn't be God because God would never do that on the Sabbath. And then they look at the man himself and all the man could say was, One thing I know, once I was blind, but now I see. That was about his doctrine for the moment. Now... These are the three groups that we have today in the body. We have those that are clueless and are always trying to figure out what went wrong. Somebody had to have sinned. Somebody did something wrong here because this just wouldn't happen unless somebody did something wrong. And then you have the other group who have determined that it couldn't be God because that would violate their theology. You know, all that stuff ceased. There's a theology out there that says all that stuff ceased years ago. So it couldn't be God. Well, you know what? God is not bound to your doctrine. He's bound to his doctrine. And then there's the others that just sort of stumble, bumble around, go, I don't know. Just felt good to me. All I know is I was like this and now I'm like this. And so we are in the body today. I think we're doctrinally impaired. Impaired. Now, whenever someone would use the word doctrine, I know there are a thousand things that can spin in a person's mind. And most of them are, oh, dear God, this is this is when I'm going to nap. This is when I'm going to sleep before the Lord. And pastor's going to minister rest to me this morning because he's going to talk about doctrine. Now, let me just share with you that we need some doctrine and, and, and not because we just need to be well educated. But doctrine is how things work. We need to understand how things work. And you need to have more than just a little motivational message or just a little inspiration or you can do it and and God is good. I mean, those things are true, but you got to understand what happened and why it happened and how it can get in you and in turn get out of you so it can begin to work in your life. Jesus came to this earth for more than just to be a moral philosopher. He came more than just to be this religious cheerleader or a compassionate teacher But Jesus came to model and provide the ability to live abundantly, to live successfully, to live supernaturally. That's where it all begins. Jesus came in order that you and I could live no longer as mere men and women. Jesus was what Adam and Eve were originally intended to be. I'll say that again. Jesus was what Adam and Eve were originally intended to be. He was what God had originally intended for you and I to be. If Adam and Eve had not sinned and they would have procreated the earth and a population would exist, they would exist In the same way they existed. And you need to realize, had it not been for the fall and had it not been for sin, you and I were ultimately and originally designed to function exactly like Jesus was functioning. Jesus was born just like Adam was born. You remember, Adam didn't have a natural dad, so to speak, but that God created him out of the dust and blew into him life by his spirit. Jesus came in much the same way. Mary became the 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 holder. She became the womb by which the Spirit of God blew into that womb. And Jesus was begotten. And so both Adam and Jesus both had an incorruptible seed that started them off through their Father who came through the Holy Spirit. And that is why Paul would later refer to Jesus as the second Adam. Now, if you want to know what abilities Adam had before the fall, you know, oftentimes people will ask me, they'll say, well, you know, what could Adam do before he fell? What could Adam do before that cataclysmic event happened? All you have to do is look at Jesus. If you look at Jesus, the second Adam, you can understand what the first Adam would have been capable of doing. They both had incredible mastery over the inner man. Their abilities were limitless. And it's easy for us... To see and to receive the truth that Jesus was not exactly like us. Everybody understands that. I hear that all the time. Well, you know, Jesus, he was Jesus. Yeah, sure, he could do it because he's Jesus. Jesus could do anything. In fact, even as he walked on the earth, many people said, well, yeah, that's Jesus. Jesus can do anything. But herein lies a part of our problem. We see all these incredible abilities... Of Jesus himself. We see Jesus healing people. We see Jesus delivering people. We see Jesus, you know, uh, 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 just remarkably moving in power. uh, Speaking with great authority. Uh, functioning supernaturally, all these incredible abilities that Jesus had. And of course, we look at it, read it, and we say, well, yeah, I, I believe that because he's Jesus. But remember, he's doing what the first Adam could originally do had it not been for a fall. And so to rectify this human mess that's called sin Jesus, under orders from the Father, has to come and he models and he ultimately provides the restoration of what he originally intended. Now, are you getting this? Listen to me. I'm going to assume, you know, I know some Sundays I'll preach and y'all will shout me down. So I'm going to assume because you're a little quiet that you're absorbing. In order for us to relate to this, Jesus had to willingly limit himself in order that we could begin to identify with him because all of us came into the world a little bit different, didn't we? We had a natural mom, we had a natural dad, And so we came into the world a little bit differently than Jesus. So in order for him to be on the same playing field as the rest of us, he had to limit himself. Now, in Philippians chapter 2, you find the passage that we read that talks a little bit about how the Lord did this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So there in verse 6, we... We see Paul declaring this equality that Jesus had with God himself. Verse 7, it says, But made himself of no reputation. Out in the margins, my Bible says this. He emptied himself of all his privileges. So when Jesus came to this earth, he emptied himself of all of his privileges, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Now, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to go through this real fast. How did Jesus limit himself? And I'm just going to use the Greek omnis for just a moment. How did Jesus limit himself? Number one, he had to limit his omniscience. He limited his knowledge to some extent. There was an aspect of his limiting that he came to us and he didn't have the same knowledge as God exercises knowledge. Now you say, no, I don't believe that. Well, then you don't believe the Bible because the Bible says that when he was in the temple growing up, that he would ask the rabbi questions. He would solicit from them understanding. The scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews that Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. So he limited himself by entering into a process by which he, too, had to begin to gain knowledge and understanding. Secondly, when he was here, I'm talking about his earth walk now, he limited his omnipresence. In other words, he couldn't be everywhere at once. Isn't that true? I I, I mean, God can be anywhere and everywhere at the same time. But when Jesus was on the earth, he was much, very much limited as to where he could be, geographically he couldn't be all places at the same time and then finally number three he had limited by his own by his own dealings he limited his omnipotence or his power and the truth of the matter is there were things that he couldn't do while he was here on earth the bible says that he couldn't do miracles in his own hometown that's what the bible says the bible says that um there were things that that He he could only do if he prayed and fast. The Bible said that he would go into protracted periods of prayer and that that was the moment that he would come out in the power of the Spirit. And so when Jesus came to this earth, he came, obviously, like the first Adam. His dad was Father God. But yet at the same time, he limited himself. He did that willingly in order to stand before you and me and look us in the eye and say this. I know, I understand, I get it, and I am going to restrict myself in some form and fashion in order that you can begin to see that what I do, you can do also. Are you with me? That's very important. Because he was just like you and me. He experienced the limitations of the natural. He subjected himself to the same issues that you and I face in order to restore us to the place God intended us to be from the beginning. So how many of you even right now are beginning to see that we've been blinded, we've been fooled, and we've been sold a bill of goods? We've been sold a bill of goods by the enemy, by the world, and even by religion itself. There are whole religious teachings out there that will tell you that the day of miracles is over. That that was for an era long gone. It no longer exists. They will teach you that everything will get worse and worse and worse and worse. You just might as well shore up the the troops, hold the fort. We're just going to hang on until hopefully Jesus comes and gets us out of here. Well, I'll declare this to you. That is not the scripture. The scripture says that he's looking for a bride without spot or wrinkle. When the Lord comes to get us, he's not coming to get a church with its tail between its legs, but he's coming with a church that's full of his glory. Now that's stuff you can shout over. It says the latter house will be greater than the former house. He's not going to end this thing up any less than he started it with. If he started his church looking like the book of Acts, then I'll assure you the end time church is going to look like the book of Acts. And yes, there may be darkness, Isaiah 60 says, even gross darkness over the face of the earth. But the Bible says that arise and shine for a light will come for the glory of the Lord will arise and kings and princes will stream to the brightness of its rising. Like what Derek Prince said one time. He said, the darker the night sky gets, the brighter the stars get. And the darker our world gets, the brighter we will become. But I'm here to tell you that we've been sold a bill of goods. Because if you get a hold of what you could be in Christ Jesus, if you really got a hold of who he made you to be, who he restored you to be, if you really got a hold... Of what it is that resides inside of you that's just waiting to come forth out of you. Why do you think the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels? Why do you think he says greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world? Why do you think he says these things? It's because he wants you to know that you are to be restored and to function as he functioned. And if you get a hold of that, you'll be unstoppable. Is it any wonder the enemy says, shh, don't tell. Isn't anyone in the world goes, shh, no, you're not. No, you're not. You just, you you, you feed the poor, and we should. You know, you mow people's lawns, and we should. And just do your little acts of service, and we should. But all this other stuff, just, just forget that. The church won over a whole Roman Empire because everywhere they went, they just healed people. Everywhere they went, they raised the dead. Everywhere they went, they just supernatural power until finally the whole whole Roman Empire says, we can't stop these people. They are unstoppable. But we've got to get that back in our system again. We've got to imagine that again. We've got to understand doctrinally. Really, this is doctrine. I'm just preaching to you doctrine. We've got to understand what it is that's been provided to us now. Now, how was this restored to us? Now, write these things down. You need to keep them in front of you. How is this restored to us? Number one, Jesus demonstrated what dominion was to look like. Jesus did remarkable and amazing things. Now, the question is why? Well, he did it to demonstrate what dominion and true spirit-led life looks like. Now, this is Jesus. Now, he made, you remember, he spit on the ground... Got some mud and he made eyes out of it. You remember that? He spoke to trees and they withered. He spoke a word and he stopped storms. He walked on water. He multiplied natural food for the multitudes. He turned water into wine. Fish would jump into fishermen's nets. Can you say amen, man, right there? Fish jumped into their nets. In fact, he had one fish jump in that actually had his tax payment in his mouth. Now, we read those stories and we say to ourselves again, oh, yeah, 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 I believe that. But he's Jesus. Sure, he can do it because that's what Jesus is supposed to do. But Jesus was not the only one who did these things. Moses, who was born under the same curse you and I were born under, even under an old covenant, parted a sea. So did Joshua and Elisha. They parted seas as well. Joshua Caused the whole earth to stop its rotation. The Bible says that the sun stopped that day. Elisha spoke a word and an iron axe began to float in a river. Peter's shadow would be cast on uh, sick people and suddenly they would be healed. Paul and Silas would begin to sing praises in their prison cell and suddenly an earthquake would show up and release them all of these accounts are to show us what is possible when we understand who we are and how to access it i'm sorry i put my pants on the same way moses did in the same way paul did and the same way the rest of these characters did and you do too and we need to understand that that God gives us these pictures to solicit our imagination for us to begin to link our faith to that picture and begin to believe that these signs shall follow them that believe. And that's what Jesus demonstrated to us. Number two, he redeemed us from the enemy and into a relationship with God. None of this that I just said to you could have happened unless we have God inside of us. Sure, Jesus forgave your sins, praise God. But I started to think about this, and it's not to demean. And you know me, I preach the cross, and I'll preach it pretty tough. So I'm not demeaning the work of the cross in any way, shape, or form. But if all Jesus came to do was simply to forgive us, he could have showed up and said, hey, dude, you're forgiven. In fact, he did that very thing to the the paralytic on the plate. He said, in order that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins... He said, thy sins be forgiven, rise, take up thy pallet and walk. And he'd never been to the cross yet. And so he'd been forgiving sin long before the cross took place even. And so as important as forgiveness is, we need to understand that that Jesus died, that you might be redeemed from your bondage, the bondage to your flesh, the bondage to your senses, all the bondages that we have in this natural realm, he redeemed us in order that he could come alive inside of us. That's why it says in John 1.16, it says this, of his fullness, everyone say fullness, of his fullness, that word doesn't just mean up to the top, it means it bubbling over, it's like putting a glass underneath your kitchen sink and just letting the faucet run water into it until finally it just bubbles over, bubbles over, bubbles over. That's pleroma, That's fullness it says of his fullness of his bubble over presence we all have received yeah right now we won't go any farther than that it's it's bubbling up it's running over of his fullness we all have received. It bubbles, it bubbles, it bubbles, it bubbles until finally it bubbles out and it touches everything around us. Number three, not only did he demonstrate to us, he redeemed us, but number three, then he restored our rights as a son or a daughter of God. John 1.12, it says, but as many as received him, have you received him? If you've received him, the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So now he gives us the same authority and the same power to do what he did. That is why he would later say in the 14th chapter of John, verse 12, the works that I do, Jesus said, you will do. And greater works than these. Man. Greater works than these because I go to the Father. Now, you're, I know people say, well, why isn't it happening? Well, we'll get there too. But for right now, I've got to solicit your imagination. I've got to solicit your hope. I've got to solicit something out of your inner man that begins to paint a picture because you can't link to this with your faith. You can't get the deed to this stuff unless you start getting the imagination and the eyes of the spirit of this thing. That God has created you to do exploits, to be unstoppable, to be above and beyond, to be over the top. I understand we ain't there, I'm not there, but I'm going to get there by God's grace. That's where I'm headed. Amen. Now there are three things I'm going to give you. Real critical for us who believe. Three things that are critical for us who believe. Now, there's more than this, and that's why we're going to talk about the cross. We're going to talk about what Jesus was doing those three days and three nights in the grave. We're going to talk about the resurrection. We're going to talk about the ascension. All of these things were in order that we might be restored to the position God intended for us to be in when Adam and Eve first were on this earth. How many of you know God's not a loser? (laughs) He ain't a loser, the enemy wants you to think that there are some things he can't do, and I'm here to tell you the enemy's a liar, and we've got to begin to capture this again. Three things that are critical for us who believe. Number one is this. You and I have to develop greater God consciousness. Now, you've heard me talk about this before, but I gotta spend a little bit more time on it here as we're getting into the Easter season. Greater God consciousness. Jesus, I will admit, had one initial advantage in this world when he was born. He was born of incorruptible seed. So therefore, he was born sinless. Jesus came into this world a little bit different than you and I came into this world. We we had a strain of disease that came down through the generations from our great, from our great, 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 great granddaddy, Adam. And we've all been tainted with it. But because Jesus' father... Was God himself. And his seed was incorruptible seed. And, and it was through that seed that he was begotten. He came into this world sinless. Which meant this. He could stand before the Father. Jesus could stand before the Father without guilt. He could stand before the Father without condemnation. He could stand before the Father with no sense of inferiority. He had complete and total confidence. He stood before God righteous. He was righteous before God. There was no sin in the equation that would alienate him from the Father. He had this righteousness consciousness in him. He knew because he could stand before God blameless. He could do anything he could be anything. He could go anywhere. He could literally suspend the laws of nature because with God, all things are possible and God and Him were tight. Our problem is we are sin conscious. We tend to dwell on it. Now, I'm going to share this with you. So, so, so journey with me here. There's a good reason that we ought to be somewhat at least wary of sin because sin cuts a possibility off listen to me you know what sin is sin basically at its root is selfishness if you want to know what the irreducible residue of sin is it's selfishness i mean i mean it doesn't matter if you're if you're going to go you know if you're going to sleep around if you're going to practice witchcraft it, it doesn't matter big sin little sin how you rate sin it doesn't matter in this sense that it all boils back to selfishness. And this is what selfishness is at its root. It's when you are so connected to your senses. It's when you're so connected to your senses that everything in you determines that you want your senses to exercise dominion inside of you. You like what you see, you like what you feel, you like what you smell, you like what you taste. It doesn't matter, drug usage... Sexual issues, it, it, you know, we could go through the whole thing, embezzlements, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you put the sin out there and somehow or another that sin causes you to jump back into your senses because your senses like what's going on. A- and it solicits you back in there and you become conscious then, exceedingly conscious of your senses. You like it. You like whatever it is that's going on that we define as sin. You kind of like it. I mean, I'll just admit it. That's why the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. It's fun. Sinning's fun. Come on now. Don't look too holy and religious on me. Come on. We sin because we like to. It's fun. It is fun. There's something in our senses that say, I like this. I like how it feels. I like how it smells. I like how it tastes. And, and so it draws you back to your senses. But you need to understand that you're never going to get anywhere in God or the supernatural if you're bound to your senses. Sin will destroy you. Certainly, it will alienate you. But the, but the real fact of the matter is, is it causes you to be locked in the natural. You become so locked in the natural that you can never dip into the supernatural. And the issue is, when people are in sin and they don't see God move, it's not because God doesn't love you or he's beating you up. Or he won't be merciful to you. That's not the issue. The issue is you positioned yourself in your senses and God can't move. Are you with me? We think somehow that, you know, somehow if I, you know, God doesn't like me, love me, working in me. Sin is an issue because it binds you to your senses. But here's the good news. In 1st, 2nd Corinthians, excuse me, 2nd Corinthians, and these are all great verses, 521. Listen to this. 2nd Corinthians 521 21. The Bible says this, it says he, meaning Jesus, for he made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become what? The righteousness of God in him. This is what literally took place when you became born again. If, it, if this didn't happen, then you need to go back to 101. 101. This is what it means to be born again. It means that you have cast your sins upon him. And we'll talk more about this in the week's ahead. You cast your sins upon him. And what he literally does is he casts his righteousness upon you. So he literally becomes you on that cross. He becomes you. He takes the burden. He takes the judgment. He takes the outpouring of God's wrath on the cross. He becomes you. But here's the good news. You become him. The righteousness of God. And so here we are, and this is, old things pass away, all things become new. There is, it's not just this transactional happening in theory, but there's a qualitative difference in my life. You've heard me say this before, and it's happened to some of you. I know who I was before I met Jesus, and I know what took place inside of me, and who I was after I met Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, there was something that changed in me. I no longer was just forgiven, I was a new creature. Old things had passed away, And all things had become new. See, does that mean you're perfect? No, I'm not errorless. And yes, I stumble, bumble around at times. But the truth of the matter is my heart is towards God. I I, I keep looking at the cross. I keep looking at Him. And now because He's taken my sin and who I am and He's given me who He is, I can stand before God without guilt, without condemnation, without inferiority. I can come. The Bible says boldly to the throne of grace, having complete confidence that He hears my prayers and that His ear is not deaf nor His arm short. But our problem is sometimes we're so bound by our senses, and that's why we become sin conscious. Because your senses are there, going there's sin. Don't look at that. Oh, can't hear that. Whoop. Better not taste that. Whoop. And this is our whole life. When we need to cast our sin upon him, receive his righteousness to the place where, let me tell you something. I'm not losing anything by following Jesus. I haven't lost anything. You take whatever it is you think you got to keep and you just go ahead and keep it. I'm accessing the power of the universe. Why would I go and mess it up by sleeping around on my wife? Now, I love my wife and she's worthy of my faithfulness just because of the covenant we have made. But above and beyond that, I'm here to tell you any other relationship with any other woman would not even begin, not even begin to touch what I can access in my God. He isn't restricting me from a fun time. He's breaking me out of my senses to the place where I can reach. I can reach a place where I can literally begin to speak and elements change. I can begin to speak and resource comes. I can say be healed and healing is released. I can do that because he said I could. That's doctrine. So you go do your little sin. You be locked to your senses. But you'll never get this. Oh, I got to keep going here. All right. That's developing God consciousness. Number two, got to break our carnal domination. (sighs) Carnal. The word carnal, put this on your notes. Carnal equals the dominion of our natural senses. Carnal equals the dominion of our natural senses. It, it, It could probably also say the dominion of our reasonings. The natural man is carnal... Because his senses dominate him. Every time you sin, you empower the natural man to be tied to his senses. Every time you sin, you're empowering the natural carnal aspect to be tied to those limited capacities and abilities that you have. You've got to break out of that carnal domination in order that you're no longer linked to your senses, but you become linked to your inner man or you become linked to your spirit. Now, there's a verse that we often quote, but I, I, I want to put emphasis on a different part of it. Galatians 2.20 talks about this. Galatians 2.20, you, many of you will know the verse that says here, For I've been crucified with Christ. So, in other words, we've, we've entered into a, a, a brokenness. We've entered into a crucifixion or a consecration. And then he says this, listen to this. He says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Are you, see, there's about three of you that got it right there. For some of you, you've read Galatians 2.20 and all you've heard was the brokenness. All you've heard was cross life. All you've heard was i got to embrace the cross and i got to be broken and, and you know sin's destroying my life and my selfish ways are killing me and I'm in this problem and that's all you've seen and I will tell you this, that the cross will deal with those things. But I want you to see a little bit larger picture. That as you begin to allow the cross to bring brokenness to your life, and brokenness means yieldedness, consecration. That's what it means. It means when you when you embrace the cross and, and you say, Lord, you can, you can break in me my will and break in me my carnal desires and break in me all the things that beset me and pull me and tug me to the ways of the world. This is what he says. When that brokenness comes, Christ becomes big in you. And he begins to live in you and who he is and what he can do begins to flow through you but you've got to be broken in this area. We want to be carnal Christians. We want to be Christians and still function in carnality and then wonder why when we pray ain't nobody getting better and wonder why when we pray the resource isn't happening and why when we pray we don't see the miracles when we want to be bound to our senses. We still want to what we think is have fun. God is redefining fun in this hour. I'll tell you what fun is. Fun is when you can find yourself absorbed in his presence to such a capacity that all of a sudden you've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. Are you with me? Are you with me? Go get your buzz. You go get your buzz. You go, you go do your tipping Oh, whatever. I mean, I'm no longer going to fuss at you. You go ahead and do it. You lock yourself into your senses and you will live life as a mere man. I'm not living life as a mere man anymore. And I believe God is raising up people and a church not to be a mere church. But we got to break out of that. That's why we preach the cross here. Number three. Oh, this is a good one. Get your ameners ready here. Rejecting religious intimidation. Now, Jesus modeled this for us. He's our model. Amen. Now, he startled, he offended, and he irritated the very people that he was trying to reach and that God called his own. You know that, don't you? He came to redeem the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said that twice. So here he is coming to his own people and he decides, I'm just going to irritate you. I'm going to offend you. And I'm going to startle you. And he did that because they were so ingrained in their traditions. They were so ingrained in their doctrines that they couldn't see the truth. They couldn't see the truth, even as he would quote the scripture to him. They couldn't see the truth. And I counted it up. I I just thought, I'm going to check this out. In John chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 10. Now, these are just the references prior to this moment that I have read to you by way of a text. It says here that they declared that Jesus had a demon in all those chapters. They watched what he did. They heard what he spoke. He went and ministered to people. And there's the religious crowd going, there he's got a demon. You know what that means today? That's a cult. He's got a demon. Now the reason I'm sharing this with you is because if you really want to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, you just get ready. Because you're going to walk against the grain of modern American Christianity. They're going to think you're over the top You're out of bounds. It doesn't have to be that hard. You don't have to do it that way. You're alienating people. We want to be winsome. We want to connect. No, 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 no. I don't want them to connect to something that's dead. I want them to connect to something that can give them life. They don't need to connect to my religion. They need to connect to my God. They don't need to connect to the the lights and the sounds and the buzz and the technology. They need to connect to a God that can put their marriage together and get their kids out of their drug usages and begin to lift them up and raise them up and heal their bodies. What else do we have to offer them? What else? What else? That's a little in your face yes it is praise God I'm walking in the footsteps of Jesus he stood up in his own hometown and temple and he said I'll tell you why I've come I've come to give sight to the blind I've come to lead prisoners out of prison houses and set the captives free I've come to heal the brokenhearted and to declare the favorable year of the Lord and he shut the Bible he walked out and they were ready to throw him off the cliff how come we never hear about that Jesus it's because religion wants to keep you contained. God wants to set you free. He wants to loose you. And there'll be folks that say, They're, they got a demon. No, we don't. We got the Holy Ghost. You just don't have enough discernment to discern a demon over the Holy Ghost. I refuse to let people who don't know the power of God somehow critique me. Don't you let dead religion critique you. Why would we do that? They're dead. you, You show me the last person you laid hands on and was healed. Show me. I'll listen to you. Well, I've been to the. I don't care. Show me. Show me the goods. Jesus would say in John 14, he said, don't believe me. But if you see the works, at least believe them. See, the Bible will mess you up every time. We need to be stretched revelationally. Because if we, if what we already knew was enough, then why isn't it working like the book says? Why isn't it working like God promised? Well, I'm going to assure you, it's not him, it's us. And we have got to reach the place where everything's on the altar. My understandings, my traditions. Lord, you talk to me. I'll never forget the day when God filled me with the Spirit. And I opened up this Bible. It was back in 1986. And I read this book from cover to cover. And I remember going before the Lord and saying, Lord... I'm just declaring before you right now, I've been to college, i had been to seminary, I'd already started work on my dissertation, I'd gone through all of that stuff. I was a pretty bright guy. But I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, as I come before you today, I'm just declaring to you, I know nothing. Teach me. Show me. Let me hear it from you. Not some dude who's in some school that's dead as a doornail. Let me hear it from you. From you. And God began to unveil his word. And I saw things I'd never seen before. And I'm here to declare this since January. I'm seeing things again. By the spirit of God. And you can walk out and think I don't know about that. I do. Life. There's life in that. Now I'm going to end with this. And this is, this is it. I'm coming in for a landing. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe a touch and go. It may be. John chapter 10. Go back to John chapter 10. I'm going to read the end of that chapter and just share something because I never understood this for years but now I'm understanding it. Come on now. Keep keep your ears open, your eyes unveiled for just a minute. I used to read some verses here that I did not get for years. I would avoid them. Much like a just, you know, a dead, traditional, denominational pastor will avoid the book of Acts at all costs. There are some passages I avoided because I just didn't get it. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that I didn't believe it, I just didn't get it. I'm starting to get some things now. In John chapter 10, verse 33, listen to this. Now, they're still fussing with him over this blind guy, all right? So understand, they're still, they're still fussing over the same blind guy we started this with. And the Jews, it said, answered Jesus, saying... For a good work, we do not stone you. So they decided because he healed the guy, they weren't going to stone him. But for blasphemy and because you, being a man, make yourself God. You see where they're going with this now. Now understand, we read this, and it's easy for us here in the 21st century to go, God, how blind are they? I mean, they can't they see it and they're just so blind and, you know, on and on and on, we'll go. Because we've got 21 centuries of revelation stirring in the earth. So it's easy for us to see that they, these guys are off the map. So what they're going to do is they're going to stone him because he makes himself, they say, to be God. But listen to what Jesus says. This is really interesting. He says, Jesus answered them and said, is it not written in your law... And in just a moment, I'm going to take you to Psalm 82. This is what he's quoting out of Psalm 82. Is it not written in your law, he says, I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. Now listen, verse 37, if I do not do the works of my father, don't believe me. How many of us could say that today? How many of us could, could say today as we walked out of here and we interacted with people, hey, if you don't see the goods in my life, reject Jesus. If you don't see the goods in my life, you don't have to come to the Lord. I, I mean, we would shut down evangelism mightily, wouldn't we? But that's what he said. He said, yeah, he just if you, don't see, if you don't see the goods, if you've looked under the hood and it ain't there, then you don't have to believe anything. But he says in verse 38, but if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I am in him. and What he's saying is this. He's saying God shows up. And if you don't believe anything else, at least believe the truth that God can show up. But turn to Psalm 82. And I just want to read this thing here. And, and it, finally, it finally coalesced. I finally got it. Isn't that good to know? You can be walking with the Lord for three decades and finally get something. You know, and the reason I admit that is because there are some people that hadn't walked with the Lord a year and they know everything. But I just thought I'd let you know, some of us have been around several decades and we still haven't got it all. So obviously, maybe you're on the fast track, but Psalm 82. And you never hear this. This is one of those verses you never hear preached. But you'll hear it today at Legacy. <laughs> Because pastor always goes where angels fear to tread. All right. Listen to this. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. Who does that? What does that mean we are? All right. I just want to make sure you're getting this. Not just reading it and checking out. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked, Selah? Defend the poor and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. Now listen to verse six, and I mean duck because it's the Bible. He says, I said, I said, you are gods. All of you are children of the most high. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes arise, O God, judge the earth for you shall inherit all nations. Now, I'll just be honest with you. I avoided that at all costs for decades. In John chapter 10, Jesus looks at these religious leaders and and, and he says to them, he says, you're getting all riled up. You're getting all worked up into a lather because you think I'm calling myself God now. We all know he had every right to call himself God. But he says, you're getting all riled up because your doctrines and your traditions are blinding you to the scripture. And he points out to them and he says, you're all worked up with me. But your scripture says, if you're a child of God, then God himself calls you one. That's what Jesus is saying there. Now, hang on. I'm going to untangle some things. Hang on. It got them all twisted up. Because they couldn't hear beyond their human reasoning, their human doctrine. Some of you right now are all of a sudden getting twisted because you're saying, oh, I know it. You're, you're saying we're all gods. And instantly, because you took you took a few hours of a cult class, you've already got it figured out. Come on now, just stop for a minute. Just stop And listen to the word of God, just for one moment. The Bible says this. Jesus is the Lord of what? Lord of... Lord of, oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord of, King of, are you with me? Thank you, Lord. We're going to have to start slipping in pieces of paper to cheat on the exams. What do you think that, what do you think? I know, that's probably my fault. Teacher's wrong, all right, all right. But what do you think Lord of Lords means? What do you think King of Kings means? Who are the second Lords in that phrase? Who are the second Kings in that phrase? Who do you think that is? Who do you think it is? Now, I just want to share this with you because I know it needs to be said because people walk out of here and if I don't say it, then they'll assume it. Neither you nor I, I'll say that again, neither you nor I are exactly like Jesus and we're not like God in substance or existence are you hearing me get that on tape back there put it on itunes make sure it gets on there i'm not saying i am like the father i'm not saying i'm like jesus and so i'm not saying that he is creator we are creation i'm I'm declaring orthodoxy here all right just so you understand i understand i ain't jesus and some of you could say amen and i'll look at you and tell you you ain't him either He stands absolutely unique and alone. No one is even close to that and who God really is. However, I want to deal with the word because the word says in these passages, it's telling us that there is a dimension of dominion that still remains. And it's not by force and it's not by the natural for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. There aren't, they are not out of our senses or our reasonings, but they are spiritual And there's a dimension of dominion in us that resembles the very rule of God. Listen, if Jesus healed the sick and I can lay hands and because of him and me, I heal the sick, it seems to me kind of looks the same. Are you with me? Do you understand how we begin to look? You know, we've heard this because, and we've taken it as this little cute, trite little saying, well, you know, you're the only Jesus some people are going to see. Well, you know, there's a lot more power to that than you might think. The very rule of God, don't look here and there for the kingdom, for the kingdom of God is within you. The very rule of God is within you. The very nature of God, listen, is within you. Second Peter one and four, it says that you and I have become partakers of the divine nature. This isn't cult stuff. Everybody wants you to hear cult. I'm telling you, it has locked us in to a dimension that has kept us anemic and powerless. And the hour has come for God's people to be loose in the earth to do his works. And if someone doesn't declare that you can do it, there is more. The glory shall arise. He shall come forth. It will encompass the globe. The harvest will come. All of these things will happen, but it won't happen if nobody's speaking it. And so we'll just take the risk and we'll just keep declaring it. And once I declare it and I begin to read the book of Acts, I suddenly get it. That's what it looks like When at that moment your senses are pressed through and you begin to walk out of the Spirit. You say, Pastor, are you there? Can't say that I'm there yet, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I want you to come too. I want you to come too. God's got something greater, bigger, exceedingly abundant above all that you could ask or think. According to the power that's working in you. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I pray right now in this place. Lord, we recognize the absolute, unique place that our God stands. There is none like Him. Lord, we understand right now that Jesus is King of kings. He's Lord of lords. And Lord, we don't come with this sense of arrogance in this matter. We understand that if that if we've embraced the cross and the brokenness that it entails, Lord, there's been a whole lot of pride knocked out of us. A whole lot of arrogance. And Lord, we come with a sense of humility. It said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That though you have every right to consider yourself to be all of that, he took on the form of a servant. And Lord, we're nothing but servants in the earth, ambassadors of you. We aren't all that much, but little is much when God's in it. Lord, we don't have much to offer, but when you come inside, anything and everything is possible and lord we've been frightened away from pressing into deeper things to mysteries we've been we've been scared that people will label us or they'll they'll call us cultic or they'll call us demon possessed and lord i break that off this people in the name of jesus it has done nothing but hindered them and roped them into an existence of being mere men and mere women and Lord, I declare that you're calling people in this congregation, I believe you're calling people in the earth to arise in this hour. To no longer be mere men and mere women. But to pursue you in such a fashion that Lord, you just you just live big in them. Lord, thank you right now that the eyes are opening. Ears are becoming unstopped. Thank you, Lord, right now that you're stirring that potential in men and women's lives right now. Lord, when we say what we say, it's not some theory, but Lord, we believe. We believe that schools can be turned around. We believe, Lord, that that communities can be turned around for you. We believe, Lord, that institutions can be turned around. We believe, Lord, that, that cities can be won and regions can be changed. And we believe this, Lord not because it's, it just sort of gives us the halftime talk of the coach, but we believe it because your word says that you have given to us the nations as an inheritance. Come on now, you say you believe all the word. This is the hour that the Lord says, well, we'll see. Will you embrace it? Come on, understand, Jesus modeled it all. He wasn't some big shot that rode into town in a Bentley and signing autographs. He came in humble, lowly, serving, washing feet, moving amongst ordinary people, doing the works. And Rome shook. It's time Rome shook again. Again. It's time our regions and our states and our nation shook again. But it won't shake just because we have political clout. It's not going to shake just because we have numbers. It's not going to shake. It's going to shake when they see the power, the power of God. It will shake when they say they're praying. Oh my God, they're praying. Father, I pray right now that you would cause us in these these moments right now to, one more time, embrace all of who Jesus is. He came and provided and modeled what life was to be all about. You're restoring that to us. Lord, I confess, I'm not there. But Lord, I, I want to learn, I want to know, and I want to have the faith to obey. Help us, help us, help us, help us. thank you Lord just everybody just stay seated just stay seated with your heads bowed and your eyes closed I want you I want you to just to meditate right where you're at just for a moment that's imagine that means imagine begin to imagine what God could do in your life I don't care how screwed up how messed up I don't know where you've been what you've done I I don't know your life story in particular and it may be impressive it may not be but this much I know if you'll if you'll cast your sins upon him He will cast his righteousness upon you. And you can leave this place and stand before God with full confidence, with no inferiority, no condemnation. You're without guilt. Isn't it it time just to get rid of guilt and just say, Lord, I cast it all upon you. I cast it all upon you. Do that right now, right where you're seated. Come on. And let him, see him, sense him. As you're saying, Lord, I'm, I'm casting everything I am. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. I'm making a choice right now to repent and to turn from the domination of that carnal natural man. Those senses. I turn from that, that silly stupid sin stuff. And I come and I embrace you right now. Some of you need to do that in a way that's a renewing moment. You knew this moment and you've lost it and now it's time to recapture it. Some of you have never done this before and all you have to do is say, Lord, I, right now I confess my sin. I cast it upon you and I receive, I receive who you are in my life. Isn't that good? I mean, that's just, Christ in you, Paul said to the Colossians, Christ in you the hope of glory. That just boggles my mind. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody stand now, will you please? And this is what I want to do. We haven't done this for a few weeks now. I want to I want to pray, particularly these two areas, sickness and any type of bondage. We're going to pray for you before you go. I want you right now, just in this quietness. It's not an emotional moment. It's a choice moment. I want you just to begin to line up. If you have a physical sickness or you have a bondage that you've not broken through, we're going to pray. And I believe today's the day. It's going to happen. Breakthrough's going to happen. Healing's going to happen. Just right now. I want one line. Just if you can. Just one line. Just You can line up. And I'm just going to pray for you right now before we go. Amen. Amen. No longer mere men. No longer mere women. No longer no longer no longer God's in you right now every time I say this anymore I just say this is remarkable God's in here somewhere hallelujah see praise God for Alex right here in that cane right now we need need your eyes healed we need your diabetes healed and, and I'm just telling you God wants you to end life in strength come on I mean it I'm, and it's just to him who believes, to him who believes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Everybody, let's just prepare our right, hearts. Father, thank you in this place right now. You are bringing us to a miracle moment. Lord, it does, it, this is not some big emotional happening, but Lord, this is a moment where you leap out of me and you begin to touch yourself in these people. And at that moment, there's a connection that brings about total restoration. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want everyone to say, I believe God can and He will do a work in me and for me this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation, lift your hands right now. God's going to do it right now. Whatever you brought. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. Right now. Come on. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening right now. Come on, you believe him right now. What is he doing right now? You say, it's happening. right In me right now, it's happening. It's happening right now. Total recovery right now. Total recovery in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus right now. May the young people, let me tell you, the young people, may they get this early. May they get this in their system early in Jesus' name. Alex, right now, in the name of Jesus, those eyes and that diabetes... And that bondage, Lord, I break it right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare him whole. Whole. Whole in Jesus' name. Whole right now, now. Now. Wholeness right now. Right now. Hallelujah. Whole, whole, whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Whole. Whole right now. Come on. Whole right now in you. In Jesus' name. Healing delivering, restoring right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. We're just keeping after it in Jesus name, it's happening now in Jesus name, in Jesus name, in Jesus name, wholeness right now in Jesus name. in Jesus name in the name of Jesus right now, in Jesus name, wholeness, wholeness, in Jesus wholeness right now, in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody lift their hands to the Lord now. Start thanking Him. This is what we do. Thank Him right now. And just say, Lord, thank you. It's working in me mightily right now. It's working in me mightily right now. Come on. You, if you are waiting to feel something, come on. That's your senses. That's your senses exercising dominion. You walk by faith, not by feeling and not by sight. Right now, if you didn't have a feeling, you're in a great position because you can say, yes. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. In Jesus' name. Whole. Whole right now. In the name, whole. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Work it in me now. Work it in me. Work that pain out in the name of Jesus. Let your inner man arise right now. Work it out in the name of Jesus, Lord. Push it out. Let your presence push the addiction out. Push the bondage out. Push the stronghold out. Hallelujah. It's pushing itself out in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If there was a pain, I'm just, I'm just asking, if there was a pain or something you couldn't do that you can do, has it changed? Has it changed? Has it changed? Come on, Believe. Right now, it's changing. It's happening. It's changing. It's happening. You know why I'm touching this? See, that's gone. Hit that. Hit that. Hit that. Hit that as hard as you can hit that. See, it's gone. That's not there. See, that's cool. I fell down the stairs. I fell down the stairs about two days ago. And, and there was an indention in my elbow and it hurt. My, my wife will tell you, I went out to eat last night and I couldn't put my elbow on the table. And right now it's gone. See, that's gone. See, I'm just... I'm just. You say, well, who laid hands on you? You see, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the laying on of hands, but it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's cool. And I praise God. He's healed me of heart issues and all sorts of things. Amen. Amen amen father right now the work you're doing philippians 1 6 says that he who hath begun a good work will be faithful to complete it so lord complete your work complete it through the day come on it's not just an event christ in you let him arise let god arise he can arise all through this day let god arise and let his enemies be scattered thank you lord That you sent your son to model and to provide everything we need for complete and total victory. No area left untouched. We don't don't have to say, well, that just doesn't work in that area. You, You touch all things in all areas and give us the victory. Lord, give your people the victory. I declare any discouragement to be broken over you. Come on now, let joy come up in you right now. Let joy come up in you. Let hope arise in you again. Come on, let hope arise. You know what? We're on a pursuit. This isn't, this isn't a moment. This is a pursuit. We're pursuing God. We're pursuing His presence. Come on, keep pursuing. There's going to be a day that we're going to, we're going to just look back and say, wasn't that remarkable, those early days? Because He's, He's schooling us in the things of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for doing that in these people in the congregation. Thank you, Lord, for enlarging our influence. Thank you, Lord, for it beginning to move through this city, Lord. I believe that Charleston, Charleston can be saved. Charleston can be touched. I believe the Tri County area, Lord, can be, can be changed in a significant, profound way, Lord, because you can do these things. Lord, people have walked away and said this city was too hard, it's too tough, it's too this and it's too that. But we believe we have a God that's just too big to walk away from it. Hallelujah. Nothing, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. Hallelujah. And Lord, let that dominion arise right now. And God's going to give you, listen to me now, in a season like this, he'll give you dominion. But don't you get arrogant or don't you get prideful or the Bible says he'll resist you. But if you humble yourself, he'll exalt you in due season. So let's humble ourselves. Lord, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Lord, we choose to humble ourselves, Lord, so so you don't have to knock us down. Lord, we know we're not anything in and of ourselves. We declare with Jesus, I can do nothing of myself. I can only do what I see you doing. I can only do what I hear you speaking. So Lord, we declare that this day that we are totally linked to you. We are hung out to dry if it's not about you. So Lord, right now we acknowledge that again. We lift up the name of Jesus in our midst and declare that as he is lifted up, all men will be drawn unto him. But Lord, we believe that we're ambassadors of Jesus. We believe that you have called us to go forth And Lord, to to demonstrate the authority of the kingdom. To demonstrate the power and the ability of our God. And Lord, we declare, I, I don't have it all. At least I'll declare it, I don't have it all, but I want that. I want to know. I want to, I don't want to just taste of the powers of the age to come. Lord, set us down at the table that we might feast at that table. And that the world might come to know you. And say that you are God. Let it be so, Lord. Let us, let us be a trustworthy congregation that we can handle that well. And Lord, I, I believe you will enable us and correct us and direct us. And so, Lord, I release these people with your mighty blessing. Let this week be the week, Lord, where they see that which can only be ascribed to your hand take place in their life. Lord, meet their needs. Pay some of those bills. Heal their bodies. Restore relationships make the phone ring, give them favor with the boss. Lord, do this in order that you might be glorified in the earth. I pray in Jesus name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap before we go. Come on now. Blessed be the name of our God. Hallelujah. Hey, turn around and look at somebody and tell them you are an overcomer. You are victorious. God's going to do big things in you and through you. Love each other and I'm going to release you. Be here in the middle of the week. Midweek 630. God bless you. You are released.